30 years or so ago, my wife, Virginia, and I received a very uh, special invitation. We were invited to join four other people, one of whom was my cousin, for a 10-day sail off the coast of Maine. And while we had little experience with technical sailings, the others were world-class sailors. After arriving in Maine and getting all of our supplies together, we made plans for the, for the days ahead. We were delighted that when it was time to set out to sea, it was a beautiful, sunny afternoon. Well, for a few hours while under sail, the captain, a friend of mine, literally showed me and Regina the ropes, navigational maps, emergency procedures, and the like, and that's when it hit. Deep, damp, impossible to see anything, fog. It was so thick you couldn't see the bow from the stern. Someone called it potato soup fog. You may have heard that phrase. The kind of fog when you have someone stand on the bow of the boat and drop a potato, and if you hear a splash, it's all good. If you hear a thud, you're done. Well, long story short, we smashed into a large rock out in the ocean. And while the hull, fortunately, was not ruptured, it certainly could have been. And when it happened, the captain shifted into high gear. And in essence, he said, okay, let's get organized. Let's review the facts. Let's review the charts. Let's check out the damage, emergency procedures, the radar, the lines, everything. And he gave everybody something to do. All ended well. You see, the captain, my friend, was resilient. Had he not been, he would have said something like, when we hit that rock, he would have said something like, we're doomed. I'm a terrible captain. We don't know what we're doing. We're done. Let's call for help that'll never come. Our time is ruined. I'll never sail again. There were two vastly different ways he could have responded to our situation. One reflected resilience, the other quite the opposite. This morning we continue with our series on flourishing. And this morning, I'd like to spend a few moments on the concept of resilience, which is one path toward helping each of us flourish. Resilience is a vast topic, so this morning I can only skim the surface, and maybe I'm skimming too much of the surface, but I do invite you and all of us to explore this topic of resilience, both through psychological and Christian literature. There's so much to offer us in this journey of a life at this time in our lives. Well, with that said, let us get started. Resilience apparently is a concept that came about in the field of engineering, something I know nothing about. And um, it came about in the field of engineering. And one engineer writes, a system is resilient if it can adjust its functioning prior to, during, and following an event. Another engineer describes resilience as a, uh, with regard to wood. He describes resilience as a quality used to depict a property of timber to explain why some types of wood are able to accommodate some sudden and severe loads without breaking. And maybe that's what resilience is about, getting through a situation without breaking. Well, sometime later, if you look at the history of the concept of resilience, it began to appear in psychological literature, began to appear in religious literature. Christian writers have written a lot about it. 
and even in medicine. One physician describes human resilience as the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back and grow. I love that image of bouncing back and growing as a result of something hard. Well, like a muscle, the good news is that you and I can develop or grow more resilience if we already have it, just like strength. It's not something we're born with. It's something we can learn. It has to do with how we think about what happens to us in life. It has to do with flexibility and adaptability and perseverance. It's all about moving through change well. And as with other topics we've spoken about related to flourishing, resilience is not an, about an absence of life's problems. It's about how we make it through life's problems in a way that allows us to bounce back and grow. Easy? Certainly not. I'm still working on resilience. Bouncing back, growing, flourishing through painful realities can be very difficult. And while life hurts and hurts terribly, it's important to, for all of us to remember it is possible to become more and more resilient no matter how old we are, what we've been through, or where we are in life. And learning to become more resilient is absolutely part of our Christian faith and what God seeks for us. Scripture is full of stories of people of faith who went through terrible experiences, yet flourished in part because they were resilient. There was Sarah, Hagar, Jacob, Gideon, Leah, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary, Martha, Peter, Stephen, and Paul, just to name a few. And if you read their stories and the stories of so many others, you will find great examples of people who were resilient, who were resilient and bounced back and grew specifically because of the hard times they went through. Speaking of Paul, in our first reading today, we heard just a little bit about what he went through. Hunger, prison, beatings, shipwrecks, hatred are just some of the things he endured. But he was resilient. He spread the Christian message all over the Mediterranean, despite all those hardships that are described in that reading. So given all the stories in Scripture, given that God wants you and me to continue to work on our resilience, let's take a look this morning at just a few of the key components of resilience. And there are many, and I can just get into a few this morning. Now as we get into this, again, we're skimming across the top of the surface. I want you to think if any of the topics that I get into scratch you or, or get your attention more than others, because it could be that that is the area that God is inviting you to spend some time focusing upon, praying about, learning about. So let's look now at, at some of the factors that research has shown build resilience or the ability to bounce back and grow. The first factor of self-awareness is, is a huge one. Um, it's titled self-awareness. And self-awareness that helps us become more resilient is made up of a bunch of different things. So I can only skim the surface. 
But when we are self-aware in a way that helps us become resilient, we're very clear on what our strengths are. And we're very clear on what our weaknesses are. And when things get tough, we use those strengths and we rely on others to help us through those weaknesses. We're clear about who we are. Again, we're clear about our strengths and weaknesses. When we have self-awareness that is a resilient self-awareness, we are clear to whom we belong. Jesus one day said that he is the vine and we are the branches, that he is the source of our lives, the source of our strength, the foundation of who we are, the one on whom we can depend. Then there's Peter in our reading today. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Jesus asks us the same question. To what degree is our self-awareness firmly rooted in God? To what degree is our self-awareness firmly rooted in Jesus? To what degree is our self-awareness rooted in the fact that we are branches? We are not the vine. We never were intended to be. To what degree is our self-awareness help us become aware of how dependent we need to be upon God and God's strength. But self-awareness also has to do with understanding what our abilities and our gifts are. God makes it clear that you and I both have amazing gifts and talents that we're to tap into. And the more we tap into our gifts and talents and use them in life, the more resilient we are in life because our lives become more purposeful. So this morning, ask yourself, where am I with my self-awareness? How much is my self-awareness rooted in God? How much is my self-awareness rooted in my dependence upon God? How much is my self-awareness based on what I know my strengths are and where I need help? And do I really know what my gifts are? All those components of self-awareness lead to the ability to bounce back through tough times. Then there's something else about resilience, and that is the whole concept of self-regulation, also known as composure. The more composure we have, the more resilience we have. And in part, this has to do with how much we take charge of what comes out of our mouths. In the letter of James, James speaks about the power of the tongue, in other words, the potency of words. He writes that harmful words are like a spark that starts a massive wildfire. The words we use affect how we see ourselves, others, and our challenges. And when we learn to be attentive to what we say, it helps us to regulate what we feel. And with regard to self-regulation, Jesus was crystal clear that when we let our emotions get the best of us, we are harmed as are others. Where are we with anger this day? One writer notes, as has been said by others, that self-regulation, composure, resilience is a matter of remembering in life that there is always a gap between something we experience and how we respond to that experience. And when we're resilient, we manage that gap well. We know that we have control over 
when something happens and how we respond, that we have control over that space in between. It's called composure. It's about patience. So, Dr. Amit Sood says this about composure. To be more resilient, recognize that space, the disruption in your life, and take a minute to think about it and how you want to respond and then respond. That's composure. When we manage our moods, when we manage our feelings, when we manage our thoughts, we become more resilient. And while resilience is all about becoming really self-aware about the things that I've talked about, where it's all about self-regulation and composure, it's also about what is known as having a fluid center. In an article titled, How the Christian Life Nurtures Resilience, David Hughes writes that we can live life inflexibly, rigidly, needing high levels of control and needing everything to be just so, we can have a demand for certainty in everything, or we can live in a totally unmoored way, like a boat floating around without sails. We can have no real sense of who we are or being connected to views or values or God. He points out that people who are resilient avoid either extreme of being too rigid or all over the map. People who build resilience are neither stuck nor ungrounded. Rather, they are always willing to learn something new, adapt, move forward with change. Isn't it interesting that those who rejected Jesus with the most vigor were those who were most set in their ways? They were like cement, which blocked being transformed through the change Jesus was offering. People with high levels of resilience, I believe, are willing to put up the sails, so to speak, and leave home port. Jesus invites each of us to a life of continual growth and learning. When we're willing to grow, when we're willing to learn, when things happen, we view them as opportunities to grow and to learn. And so I believe this morning that God is asking each one of us, where are we? with our willingness to learn, to adapt, to move forward, to change. Dr. Amit Smood, who I mentioned a second ago, also knows that gratitude is a big part of resilience. We talked about this several weeks ago, and I love a phrase that he uses. He suggests that to build resilience, we should think about lowering our gratitude threshold. What a great concept. Lower our gratitude threshold. In other words, how might we each day become increasingly grateful for smaller and smaller and smaller things? It's clear that when we are resilient, we have a very low threshold for gratitude. We also have a sense of awe. Do we feel awe in our daily lives? Are we awe in response to God and God's blessings, God's creation which surrounds us, people in our lives? Do we experience awe when we see God acting in someone else's life? God asks us this morning, how might we ramp up our awe? Just a few more here. Two other factors related to resiliency and, and therefore flourishing have to do 
with community and meaning, both of which have been spoken about in the last few weeks. But for a moment, I want to briefly offer this. With regard to community, God recognized in the book of Genesis that it is not good for us to be alone. We're made for connection. We're made for community. And as God, within God, is a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we are made in God's image, we are made for relationships. Jesus never sent people out alone, but always in a minimum of pairs. So here's the important point about community. Loneliness does not mean we don't have people around us. We don't have people to do things with. We can, in fact, as one person writes, feel very lonely with 100 people around. Loneliness is a lack of true connection. Resilience is about building at least one or two relationships with a person with whom we can truly connect and be ourselves. It's amazing that research says that that kind of community, that kind of connection just with one other person boosts resilience. Where are we this morning? with our connections? Where are we with that community of just two people? And then there's meaning. And while this has been touched upon in prior weeks, I love what Frederick Nietzsche said. He wrote, he who has a why to live can bear almost how, almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. On this point, Dr. Sood writes, Recognizing our purpose helps us focus our energy, keeps us engaged, makes it easier to be hopeful, fills us with courage, and bolsters resilience. And purpose can come from simple things like simple, a simple pursuit to be helpful to other people or to abide by a set of values. So how might we ramp up our sense of purpose and meaning to help us become more resilient? The last thing I want to touch on this morning has to do with optimism. And this, again, in itself is a huge topic. And I invite you to get into it. Optimism is all about how we explain things to ourselves. When something happens, to what do we attribute that something? Martin Seligman is the best source for this factor of resilience. Optimism has to do with how we handle what are known as the three P's, personalization, pervasiveness, and permanence. To what degree do we take things personally? To what degree do we say that when something happens, it's about everything in life, not just about that one area of life? And to what degree do we say to ourselves, this is going on forever, it will never end? Let's use the sailing story I used at the beginning to help us explore these briefly. Not all events are our own personal fault. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. A resilient person on that sailboat would say, we hit a rock and I'm responsible. But taking responsibility is not about blaming, like saying, I'm a terrible sailor who's not competent. That's the reason we hit the rock. To what degree do we personalize events when they happen to us and blame ourselves? When we're resilient, we take responsibility, but we don't blame. Then there's pervasiveness. This has to do with how many areas of life are truly impacted by something, by an event. 
a resilient sailor would say, we hit a rock and it's not good and it may affect this sailing trip. A pessimist, however, would view hitting the rock pervasively. Somebody who's pessimistic would say, we hit a rock, my entire life is ruined. I'll never sail again. And finally, there's permanence. Optimists know that not everything lasts forever. Optimists view bad times as temporary and therefore are less likely to give up. A resilient captain would say, we hit a rock. This trip may end, but there'll be another. When we are pessimistic, when something happens, we likely attribute the event to something deeply personal, to something that will affect everything in life, and something that will last forever. The converse way of thinking boosts our optimism and hence our resilience. I know I've covered a lot, and today is really hopefully an invitation for each of us to dig into this whole idea of resilience because God invites us to it. Where are we this morning in our self-awareness? Do we really know to whom we belong? Do we really know to whom we need to be fully dependent upon? Do we know what our strengths are and where we need help? Do we know what our gifts are and have a sense of purpose based on those gifts? Where are we with self-regulating our emotions and our composure and managing that gap between the event and how we respond to it? managing our words that we use toward ourselves? Where are we in our willingness to learn and grow and adapt and accept change? Where are we with lowering and lowering and lowering that threshold for gratitude, appreciating smaller and smaller and smaller things every day? Where are we with community? Community meaning connecting with just one other person with whom we can be ourselves? Where are we with meaning and a sense of purpose? And where are we with those three Ps? The good news is we can do something about each of these areas, sometimes with help, and certainly with the help of God. Today I want to leave you with this. And Joan, if you're watching, thank you. A number of months ago, Joan, who has been part of this chapel for years, gave me a little piece of paper with a quote on it, and I love it. It's a quote from Toni Morrison. The quote is, correct what you can, learn from what you can't. Correct what you can, learn from what you can't. And to me, in a nutshell, that has a lot to say to us about resilience, doesn't it? Correct what you can. Learn and grow and bounce back from what you can't. Resilience, something that God seeks for each and every one of us. And let us as a chapel be a place where we can work on that journey together. And let us pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for all those around us and before us who think about resilience and what it means for us as people of faith. Help us in our journey. And I invite us now to take a few moments in silent prayer and ponder some of what has been said this morning and what God may be nudging us to do or to look at or to explore.